0: Welcome to Coaching Conversations, a weekly discussion of topics related to coaching and sport of volleyball at all levels. I'm your host, John Foreman, author of the CoachingVB.com blog and co-developer of the Volleyball Coaching Wizards Project. Let's dive right in. Welcome to episode 19 of the podcast. We're going to switch things up a little bit with, uh, with this discussion and make it, uh, I guess, you could kind of a, a solo episode, as it were. Uh, A little bit different than the one I did about the ABCA, stuff like that. You may recall uh, back in, I guess it was maybe the sixth episode. Let me check real quick. No, the seventh episode with uh, Daniel Smith and Oliver uh, Wagner from Germany talking about the Volleyball Congress that they had done over there. And they addressed kind of the, the stuff that came out of that Congress with respect to more the business side of volleyball. Uh, I, I mentioned in my introduction to that, and I've mentioned at other points discussing this series that I do want to incorporate business elements into these conversations. And I'm definitely looking to do that in the future. And to a certain degree, the last episode, talking with Beth Lanier about her book, uh, Stop Competing and Start Winning, well, it's not specifically about marketing volleyball and volleyball business and that sort of thing, it does certainly uh, approach um, our involvement in the sport specifically as coaches. But if you can look at it much more broadly than that from the perspective of management, which obviously has business undertones when you think of things in that way. Um, Maybe it's because I'm teaching this sport marketing class at Medai that my thoughts are really spinning in this direction. Uh, but I've I've been given a lot of thought lately, or at least the formations of, of a lot of things have kind of been going through my mind that I wanted to kind of spin out there and get some responses and, and hear what people are are thinking. Um, you know, it's something I put I put out in a couple of different ways on social media and got a couple of different responses. Um, Some some of them were ones that I was already thinking. Others were things that maybe I hadn't thought of before. Um, So that was good. I figured this podcast probably reaches a different audience than the social media posts do. Um, For example, I just had an email I think yesterday that came in telling me that this uh, podcast is number one in the volleyball category in Argentina. I have no idea how many volleyball podcasts are being listened to. In Argentina, but you know, Hey, it sounds good. I guess at least one person in Argentina has been listening. Uh, so we'll take it. But anyway, so uh, what I'm hoping for is to get some responses and reactions and ideas and thoughts from, you know, you, dear listener, uh, anybody that you might share this with and on the idea of how do we take volleyball from this, what could kind of be described as a, as a, a niche mainstream sport, which obviously sounds like a contradiction in terms. And let me explain it. Volleyball, by all metrics, that are generally presented is one of the most popular sports in the world when it comes to participation. There are a lot of people who play volleyball on some level or another. What we aren't at this point is a an entertainment Business, vehicle, you know, aside from participation, obviously, because when you're a participant, there is a clear entertainment value derived from that. And so, you know, let's leave that part of the entertainment side of things alone. But think in terms of do people go to events? Do people watch live events, whether it's on television or streaming? Do they watch highlights of former events? Are they engaged in the sport in a lot of different ways, um, in ways that are similar to the ways that they engage in other sports in the United States? You can think of the main, the major sports: football, baseball, basketball, hockey, soccer. In other sports, it might be soccer in other countries. I should say it should be, might be soccer and rugby, or maybe it's cricket. You know, wh- and whatever part of the world that you, you're thinking of, or you're from. I'm looking at thinking of those things that are kind of entrenched in the, the psychology and the participation of non-player, non-coach uh, consumers of a sport product. So it could be talk radio. It could be, uh, television, it could you know how things are covered on TV. It could be having a, a you know dedicated magazines or websites or podcasts, for example, as we're on one right now. Um, any sorts of stuff like that. So I'm going to toss out just some things that are going through my mind and some things that I've I've had some feedback on that I think are are, are certainly good ideas and are interesting. Uh, One of the issues that I had when I I posted into social media is that a lot of, let's be fair, I mean, a big portion of the volleyball English language community is in the United States. That's just, that's just reality. So naturally, a lot of people are going to be thinking about things from that perspective. And... Obviously, it's a, it's an important perspective. I'm not going to deny that. Uh, but it's not a complete perspective. So, because there are other sports structures and, and perceptions and whatnot in other parts of the world. And I think those are important to incorporate in this. But I'm not going to deny that what happens in volleyball in the United States isn't something that is consequential to the sport overall. And... Not surprisingly, um, having a professional league in the U.S. is perhaps the most significant thing that people in the volleyball world can think of as as indicating that our sport has moved to a higher level than it is currently right now. Uh, and uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue that. And certainly, there is an opportunity to create something quite significant in the world involved in volleyball terms where major league so- soccer started in the U S that was never going to be the best league in the world. There are too many really strong, well-established leagues in other countries like England and Italy and Germany and South American leagues that there was no way. And obviously there was no funding to be able to go buy players in that current, uh, the way players are priced. I mean, can you imagine an MLS team shelling out enough money to bring a Messi or Ronaldo or Neymar type player at at that peak of their career to play for MLS? It doesn't happen. You know, Beckham came over late-ish in his career. He wasn't as late as some of the others that have come over. But generally speaking, the guys who demanded high price tags didn't come to the U.S. during their peak earning years. They came afterwards, and that's a function of both where soccer was in this country and also where U.S. soccer was relative to the rest of the world, which is not very high. Has the league established itself to and garner quite a bit of respect and develop players that are now going overseas and being viewed as legitimate professionals? Sure, but it's still a long way from being the Premier League or Serie A or, or anything like those. Volleyball, on the other hand, there's there's an opportunity for a professional league or combined men's and women's professional league or however it ends up breaking down to come in at the very top level. The budgets aren't nearly as big in volleyball as they are in other sports. Squads are smaller for for one thing. The economics are entirely different um, for what an MLS team is showing out for players these days, you could probably get uh, maybe three teams worth of volleyball players of relatively comparable, actually not even relatively, comparable, of better relative quality on a global scale. You can get a Matt Anderson, a Leon, a Ningapath, these sorts of level of players, with the sort of money that's being thrown around by major league soccer teams. Um, so from that perspective and the perspective that U.S. Volley, US volleyball is well-respected in the world, you could, if, if you came in at the right funding level, you could bring the best players to the United States. You could keep the best American players in, in the country and you could bring in a, a lot of really good international players to come play here. And have potentially the, the best league in the world right away. Uh, there's going to be some comparison. Obviously, Russia's got a, a strong league, Italy's got a strong league. Uh, there's clubs in other countries that are really well funded that, you know, are competed at a very high level. But the the, op- the opportunity exists in the United States for something like that to happen. Now the, the leagues and the organizations that are going on right now, from a pro- professional perspective, are, do not appear to be going in that direction. Volleyball League of, of America. Um, I had two of the guys from there on during one of the original coaching conversations, and I'll and I'll link that in the show notes. They're taking a grassroots approach. Uh, the the new league that Dave Shoji is involved in putting together. Uh, I don't know what that's looking like. Um, again, I'll, I'll link to the discussion we had with Dave on the Master Coaches, uh, the Master Coaches Weekly Buzz. Uh, similarly, the the athletes Unlimited, or yeah, athletes Unlimited League. I always mix up Unlimited and United. That's going to start actually pretty soon as I record this. That's another league that, I mean, it's okay. I, I hesitate to call it a league because, it, to me, it's it's more of an event than a league per se, because it's it's only about a five week thing long. Um, so it's a, a, clearly a different sort of structure and a different sort of concept. I'll be I'll be there to watch and and really curious to see how it goes. Uh, but I think the structure has some severe limitations in terms of. The influence it can have on uh, professional volleyball and international volleyball, but that's a that's that could be a separate discussion. But my point is that right now it does not appear that we have something in the act of works that would come in as a, as a as a very high level league to start off with. So I think that opportunity still stays. So, but let me get past that uh, pro league in the U.S and think about what can happen in our sport, in the business of our sport to take it to the next level. And one of the things I look at in our environment is that we've got a lot of small organizations all over the world. Now, that those are clubs, whether they be junior clubs, professional clubs, you have it. There are tons of those you know, all over the place. Some of them do quite well. Uh, many of them barely squeak by, but none of them are particularly large operations in terms of the scope of influence that they have. Um, yeah, yes, you've got some professional clubs with very large budgets, but those most of those budgets just go to player salaries. They don't go to a lot of other things that kind of tie in with uh, the the professional sport arena and other sports, specifically marketing, outreach, that sort of stuff. Yes, some clubs do quite well with this. For Ber, uh, The Berlin Club, uh, BR Volleys in Germany, they, they are fairly strong in this regard. And there are other organizations that do well in certain areas. Uh, and then we've got other affiliated businesses, whether it's something like Art of Coaching or Gold Medal Squared, with kind of the coach education side of things, there are uh, obviously in the recruit in the college recruiting sphere, there are a bunch of recruiting services that service uh, kids and their families that are looking to get recruited to the college level. Certainly, there there are agents and whatnot at the professional level, um, and of course, you've got the national governing bodies involved. And FIVB recently made a deal to bring in, you know, an outside company to, to do some stuff with events and things like that. And I'll be interested to see how that goes. But a lot of this stuff is, is kind of insular in a certain way in that it, it covers a specific niche. And there's not a lot of flow through in terms of information and opportunity. And there's no real significant driving forces in the sport that are attempting to, on a large scale, boost the sport. Yes, you've got national federations that are doing things, but most of the time, their biggest thing is driving participation or, as, as some of the stuff that's going on with USA Volleyball recently, trying to improve their pipeline for the national team. Uh, So they've got, uh, you know, their own set of priorities, uh, involved. Uh, so I'm trying to think of things that, that go out beyond that and have the potential to, to reach people that aren't active participants in our sport or would be active participants in our sport, but could be brought in as spectators. Consumers of volleyball as entertainment without the participant side of things. Uh, When I posted uh, this kind of question on on my Facebook group, uh, one of the things that came up, you know, BJ Leroy made the comment that aside from the Olympics uh, and volleyball is huge at the Olympics, a lot of spectatorship, a lot of tends to be quite a bit. Of TV coverage, both indoor and uh, sand, but beyond that, you have to kind of go back to like the '80s and '90s, particularly with the AVP. For a time when there was a lot, there was a lot of mainstream interest in volleyball. I mean, I remember AVP tournaments being shown live on NBC, so regular broadcast television on Saturdays and Sundays, especially Sundays during the summertime. And it was a it was a it was a big thing even beyond just volleyball people like I obviously was at the time uh, and there was there was a fair amount of marketing and promotions and and a lot of stuff that went into it and that when AV I mean AVP is just is not what it was back then favB is not what it was what the AVP was back then uh, and you know can we can we get there um, uh, that's kind of the question here. Uh, so some of the other comments that came in, uh, Sue Weber from NCSA commented, can we get a volleyball only TV network like golf has, or, or, um, soccer has in other places in the world? Uh, it's, there's certainly enough content from a, a games perspective that you could do that. You would probably need to have other stuff, uh, commentary shows, and analysis, and and things that you know go in and fill other time slots. Because obviously, you're not going to have matches 24 seven. Well, I mean, you could, but you probably aren't going to. And I think if you do, you lose out the opportunity to get other people engaged from different perspectives. And, and actually, BJ brought this up, and I've posted about this too. Is in volleyball, we don't have enough stories that are being shared and, and sold and promoted. Yes, it happens around the Olympics, and that's part of the whole Olympic production that NBC and others do around the world. I happen to be in uh, in, London, in England for the last winter, well, not the last winter Olympics, well, maybe it was. Anyway, for the Winter Olympics. The UK is obviously not a huge winter sport. Winters Olympics type sport, but they got comp- athletes competing in a, in a couple of different uh, things. And their production, just like the U.S. production for the Olympics, is featuring those athletes that are competing and, and helping people to get to know them and, and give them a reason to support them and, and and just enriching the whole experience of that. And so I think that's part of what goes into you know, something like Sue's idea of having a volleyball only TV network, or in these days, you're probably talking a streaming network, which opens a whole new realm of possibilities. So, okay. That's definitely one side of it. Um, I, I think we also need to have that in the book market. And this is where I had originally been talking about it is that if you look, if you go to the bestseller list on Amazon or wherever you want to go and look at a book, um, you know, kind of most active books sold. Uh, you're going to see, if you look at basketball or football or baseball or soccer, you're going to see a lot of books about people, uh, and teams and, you know, kind of history and biographies and, and all this sort of stuff in volleyball. The books that tend to get sold are largely technical, tactical manuals, how to do this. Uh, um, coaching books, skill development books, mental training books, physical conditioning books. Yeah, you do have a few biographies in there. Missy Bay had her biography in there. Uh, Karch, back in the day, had a car- biography. St. John Smith, during the heyday of the AVP, did uh, Kings of the Beach. Uh, but we don't have enough of that sort of thing. And that was actually part of the motivation for Volleyball Coaching Wizards. Was to expand the volleyball literature to to get more more of the people uh, into the discussion in the equation. So definitely uh, something there. Uh, Eric Miracle and Manolo Concepcion um, kind of you know obviously talked about not seeing curling and darts on ESPN when we could be watching volleyball. Uh, clearly, we don't think those are better sports. A cornhole. Really, Cornhole on ESPN? Come on, please. we got to be able to do better than that. Um, the quality of, of the production of events that, that we put out there as volleyball people, we've all, I'm sure, seen a wide variety of quality when it comes to streaming stuff. Uh, the stuff that makes it on, like the BTN network from Big Ten matches, it generally is pretty good quality production, pretty good quality commentary, but when you start looking at the stuff that's only streamed through BTM plus, it, a it bit hit or miss. Sometimes you get commentary, sometimes you don't. sometimes the commentary is good, sometimes it's not and, and and if you look at anything on ESPN+, plus, you get it's, you kind of run the same gamut. sometimes it's just a it's just a, 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 a video stream. And sometimes you've got some really good commentary and everything in the middle. So the more that we can improve that presentation, and obviously that's a working thing. And everybody who does ESPN has been working on stuff for years. I think a lot of what FIVB and CEV have done with the the presentation of international matches uh, has been great. New camera angles, replays. The graphics, stats, all that sort of stuff—I think—is really enriched the presentation. Uh, one of the ideas that I had, but was uh, seconded in these replies from Will McDonald, was the idea that what about getting something like an all-or-nothing series? Uh, if you're if you're familiar with Amazon Prime, they've got these the series called All or Nothing, where they follow a sports team. Through it generally through a season, and it's all behind the scenes sort of stuff and, and what happens and and I thought for a while that something like that would be really interesting. Uh, I, I watched I've watched several series like that uh, that Netflix has produced, and I can tell you from personal experience, I watched one on Formula One. I have never followed Formula One in my life, but after watching that series, just kind of out of curiosity and have you know having a look. I started watching Formula One. Now I'm not going to consider. I'm not going to say that I'm a diehard fan. You know, watching, following everything that's going on. But I watch the races and it's like qualifying stuff and whatnot. Uh, I think it's it's interesting. Sometimes, sometimes it's really boring and predictable. But uh, that's a completely different story. But the point is, seeing stuff behind the scenes kind of got me interested in the sport and, and carrying on and, and becoming a consumer of the sport. Yeah. Something that gets talked a lot about a lot in ter- from our perspective as people in it trying to get people outside the sport and this comes up a few times in the comments to my post is getting past the it's a girls sport perspective which definitely exists in places. Probably fewer places now than it did now that boys and men's volleyball is making more inroads in the U S but even parts of, in parts of the world where there's legitimate men's pro men's volleyball. It's still, there are still places where there's a perception that it's a, it's a sport. It's a women's sport. And those are largely from people who, who have no conception of the physicality of the game. So how do we, how do we expose them to that? How do we get them to see how athletic our sport is? Um, somebody in here mentioned finding ways to do comparisons, you know, sh- showing something in volleyball, is showing how that compares to a skill in another sport, basketball, baseball. We know in volleyball, the, the spike in volleyball is one of the few things, the few regular activities in sport where the player is exerting force on the ball while not in contact with the surface. Because you do it, you know, you, you spike the ball while you're in the air. Um, same with a uh, with a jump serve. What else is in the sport? I remember uh, years ago I was watching a college football game, and I think Bob Greasy was doing the commentary on the game, and he made the comment that the the quarterback in football is, is the only position in sports where I forget exactly how he worded it. I've got a blog post on it somewhere. And I'll try to I'll link to that. Uh, but he was basically saying it's the only position in sports where you have to be the leader, of the play caller. I forget exactly what it was. But the thing, as he's saying this, I practically yelled at the screen, going, Hello, setter in volleyball is a participant plus the play caller plus has to play two ways all the time. The only time a quarterback plays two ways is if they throw an interception or you know somebody fumbles the ball, and usually they just mainly get out of the way so somebody doesn't you know pancake block them at some point. Uh, but there's something like that. It's like, hey, you think that you think being a quarterback in the NFL is is one of the elite positions in sports? Hey, let's take a look at the center and compare. It. You know what are the requirements of the of the the position and the leadership, the play calling. And decision making and all that stuff. You know, can we find ways of showing people those sorts of comparisons? And then we've got Dan Mickle as a fuddy duddy saying, "I know this is an unpopular opinion, but he's not sure he wants volleyball to be on par with other sports. He kind of likes it being on the fringes." I'm guessing that's kind of a bit of a minority view. I mean, I can understand aspect of it, uh, but yeah. Sorry, Dan. We're pushing on without you. Um. Just looking through, yes, Mark Kirkland was one of the people talking about having more sense of the who the stars are and the stories. And and that used to be the case back in the, the high day of the ABP. You knew Karch and Sinjin and Stoklos and Steffes and Dodd and Whitmarsh and uh, Hovland and, and, you know, some of them were villains and some of them were heroes. And maybe on one week somebody was a villain and next week they were a hero and so... There are always a lot of storylines. So there's that aspect to it. Uh, Jeff uh, from Texas Women's talks about the importance of of women's sports being on par with men's sports. And that creates a a very interesting question with regards to volleyball, because in the U.S., women's volleyball is much, much bigger than men's volleyball, even despite the growth of the latter coming along. Uh, and, and from a business perspective, I, I think it would be, it would make a lot of sense for there to be a joint men's and women's league if for no other reason, because of the economies of scale, you can use the same facility, you can use the, the same support personnel. Uh, at, you have the potential to attract different sets of sponsors and, you know, people who want to be engaged with your sport because of the audience you reach. Uh, things like that. So, and a couple of people also brought up the idea, and this is more from the participation side of it, is getting, uh, being able to get people in the sport for less cost. Uh, because if you want to talk about being involved in, in club volleyball, juniors volleyball, it can come with a hefty price tag, which leaves out a lot of people that just can't afford it. So, can we find ways of, it, Giving people in less economically um, well-off situations the chance to be involved in our game and not excluded because they can't afford it. Uh, so, the, you know, those are just some of the comments that came up. What I'm th- the the idea that's floating around in my head is: could we develop an organization or a set of organizations whose primary focus was marketing volleyball? obviously there would need to be some sort of revenue stream uh, associated with this to make them sustainable. Um, Otherwise they're just become charities. And as soon as they run out of money, then, you know, that whole production stops and you don't want that to happen. But if you, we can have some places who are really taking a big picture view of things and, and collecting information and trying to understand how people engage with the sport and and how others outside the sport look at it that you know minds that could potentially be changed or or ideas that could be influenced or or latched onto to if it's if it's something that's kind of a, an inkling of an idea uh this so this is where you know I really like to hear ideas um what can we do to market our sport better? how can we get? people into our game in ways that aren't directly involved in participation. And and you know, I've had a conversation with a couple of people at this point. What about video games? There's FIFA soccer. There's Madden football. Those are hugely popular games, and they're not played by people who participate in the sport. Some do, and some did, but a lot of them never did. How many people that play Madden never played football on any level, except maybe in the backyard with their friends? Um, we can if we had our own game or games. Could we attract some people like that? So what, what would it take to develop a comparable sort of game for volleyball? Uh, what else is out there that non-participants in other sports? used to engage in and with their this the sports of their interest fantasy fantasy uh, baseball fantasy football all that stuff is big fantasy volleyball obviously that probably ties in uh, pretty closely with having a, a professional league that you can focus attention on uh, certainly there's also things like the Olympics and volleyball nations league vNL and Other, you know, international, multinational sort of competitions. Uh, So maybe there's some options there. What else? I mean, this is what I want to hear from people. As a fan of some other sport, what do you do that engages you with that sport that doesn't involve you actually being a participant, but more a spectator, a fan, that sort of thing? So give it some thought. Let me know. you can hit me up on, on social media, post something. Uh, tag me in it. Uh, record something, a video, whatever. Post your comments. Uh, I want to hear it. I want to. I want to get some ideas, and maybe we can get some people going and thinking about this stuff, uh, and have some f- further conversations. So that's it for this week. Um, hopefully, I got some some of your your thoughts and ideas flowing, and we can all work together and make this sport as good as it really deserves to be have a good one. Thanks for listening. Check out the show notes on the website coachingvb.com for links to further information about this episode. You'll also be able to find the complete back catalog of prior coaching conversation. While you're there, you can sign up for my mailing list. Members find out in advance what conversations I'll be doing next and can submit questions if they like. If you'd like to support this podcast, go to patreon.com forward slash coachingvb. Patrons get early access to every episode as well as other special benefits along the way. I'm always interested in hearing what you think about coaching conversations and ideas you might have of topics and or guests for future episodes. You can send them to me at john at tweet them to at coachingvb, or hit me up on my Facebook page, Coaching Volleyball. All the best until next time.